Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell challenges the status quo, questions everything, and empowers you to return to your core beliefs to make your life better. If you're ready to hear the truth and get your roadmap to the lifestyle you really want, the next hour will change your life. And now your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Dell Wamsley. Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Dell Wamsley, and as always, working on your financial freedom. Well, here we find ourselves, folks, at the end of the month. And um, as usual, it's that time of the month again. What time of the month is that, Dell? It's the time for counting. I don't know if you ever heard the song, but there's a song that says there'll be time for counting when the dealing's done. Well, each month, at the end of the month, the dealing's done. And the passive income is added up. It's put into the spreadsheet, and it's, okay, we made this much in this company, 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 this much in this one, and this one, and this one, and this one, and this one. And some of the companies where we have to pay the bills and so forth, um, we consider the income and don't really even write it down and count until about the halfway through the month so that we've got all the bills paid and all the income in and all the expenses out and we got a good good number for the month previous. Some of them are just purely dividend-driven type companies where whatever amount of money comes in, it's pure profit. And those companies were able to get that sized up and sent out pretty quickly. A lot of companies are rental companies and the rents are in pretty quick. i received, uh, I think it was some ungodly amount of money just yesterday. And I mean, I just, you just don't realize it's just money comes flying in. I'll never forget when I got my first rent house and somebody sent me like a $600 check. That was the rent. I think this is my money. <laughs> I was like, man, that's unbelievable. It just comes to you. Now you do what you want with it. Well, I think I better pay my bills. I think I better do this or that, whatever. But the bottom line is it comes to you. Whereas you, I remember working for Corporate America, and we would sell health club memberships, about 200000 250000 bucks a week in memberships, and we'd pile all that money up and take it to the bank. And then the company would get the money, and they'd do all the accounting, pay all the bills, and boom, we'd get a paycheck back. But you know, the paycheck, in many cases, was smaller than even one day's worth of receipts that we collected. Once I started owning rent houses and getting check after check after check to where I had over 100-some houses, it just blew my mind. To this day, it still blows my mind each month because I find myself doing two things. I find myself anticipating what was last month's profits. In other words, we, we add them all month as we calculate. For like right now, we're going into December. We're coming out of November. We now know what we earned in October and got paid in November. So we're able to track the income. It's usually one month behind, but we can track the income now that we know what we've taken. What was the profit out of October? We now know. We knew halfway through November, although there were a few things like my 17 different savings accounts I have that pay interest that don't pay to the end of the month. So you wait for that interest to come in for that month, and you receive it that month, but you usually receive it later in the month. 
So you got these 17 accounts. I'm waiting for these statements that they paid me this dribble of interest, right? And you put all that in there and you got that all done. You get the end of November and you want to come up with one nice, clean spreadsheet row that says, this is what I earned from this place, this place, this place, this place, this place, this place, this place. And by the way, the other day, I was curious. I could, I always tell people I own 17 companies. One day I said, you know, I should stop just telling people stuff and figure it out. So it comes out that I own 25 companies and 20 of them I owned completely by myself and five of them I'm in as a passive investor with other people. So I put my money in with other people and let them do the work. So it's interesting to see all these different companies all contribute to this spreadsheet. Then the next part is to set up the spreadsheet for the next month. So right now I've got to set up the spreadsheet for or for December and complete the spreadsheet for November. Then come in, then move all the numbers in, in my spreadsheets. They automatically move the way I have the spreadsheet set up. They automatically move into the next month. And so I have a starting point for the next month. And I have last month's total. I have year to date. And then I have blanks for what hasn't come in not in December yet. And as stuff comes in, you know, we put it in there. Now, we've got a lot of stuff that already came in. Um, I think as of right now, I've probably got over just preliminary preliminary profit somewhere around $100,000 worth of profit already this month. Preliminary. That's just like the first couple days of the month. So that will be well exceeded, you know, two or three times if by the end of the month probably. But the point I'm saying is it's this is what happens. This is what I do. This is my job. Two days out of the month, one day to clean up the November spreadsheet, one day to start the December spreadsheet, and that's my job. That's what I do. I have a CFO that runs all the financial departments of all my companies. I've got executive VPs that run every one of the companies, one area or the other, of whatever type of company they are, so that I don't have to do anything. And why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because I'm trying to shed some light into your life of how people do it, how you make money and you don't work, which sounds really really terrible, doesn't it? For most people, that's disgusting. Say, why aren't you working? Well, I figured out a way not to and to still produce. What do I mean by produce? Well, I believe that if you help enough other people in this world get what they want, you can have whatever you want. So I've all of my businesses are service-based businesses or asset-based businesses that help other people. And by helping other people get what they want, like when you rent something to somebody and they need that product and they rent it from you, that's a service-based business, although it seems like an asset-based business. But it really is a service-based business because you're providing a service to them of letting them use your asset as a rental. So I believe that if you help enough other people in this world get what they want, you can have anything you want. And people go, Dell, I don't believe that. I said, why not? They said, because... I've helped people before, and I'm not rich. I go, you help people, what, one, two, five? I, you have one rent house. You helped one family. If I have 1,200 units, I think I've helped more people than you have. If I've got 50,000 clients at Lifestyles Unlimited, I think I've helped more people than you have. 
if I have another 20,000 clients in my real estate companies, I think I've helped more people than you have. And the more people you help get what they want out of life, then the more money you make. It's just you have to realize that you have to get out there and do something to help other people. During the pandemic, I bought seven grocery stores. I say, why grocery stores? Because the only thing I didn't see closing down was grocery stores. <laughs> In fact, they were open all the time, and they were empty. People were buying everything, every product that the grocery store could get in was being bought. It's gone. And I said, man, if you provide housing, they've got a place to live. And if you provide them food, they've got something to eat. You've basically taken care of them from cradle to grave. You're doing everything. I mean, you just think about that. And so I diversified into grocery stores because I wanted to be in a business that just wasn't going to go away. And eating's not going away, people. I always used to say you got to have to have a place to lay your head down at night and go to sleep. That may not even be true. You may be able to sleep on the grass, but you can't eat grass. you got to have food. So again, I bought seven more businesses, and each business does well and pays me a lot of money. Again, I started with a rent house. I bought two, then four, and eight, and 10, 12. You start where you can start, and you get involved, and you buy businesses. Or you create businesses that's just as good. Creating them is just as good. As you go through this in life, you start to realize the pattern. You see it. I create a business, or I buy a business. I service it and develop customers. Customers need my service and pay me money. And that's the way this whole thing works. I'm just rambling on from topic to topic uh, because that's really where my brain's been at. Uh, I don't know if you have had this happen yet, if you're of the age that it happens, or maybe you're the one it's happening to. But our kids are all around 30s right now. And as I look at the kids and, you know, you wonder, okay, at 34 years of age, I retired a millionaire. At 34 years of age, I had my first baby. So we see our kids going through this maturation period where you say, okay, I'm going to go buy our first home. And one of all of our kids was able to buy a home so far. The others either didn't want to or can't, don't have the money, don't know how, or don't have the interest in it. One of them has a child that was by accident a long time ago, and now he has the child. Um, The other one's, another one's looking to get with child, um, thinking about developing a family. And, you know, it just started me thinking because it's like really strange that out of all the kids we have, only one of them, and would have been the one I would have thought was least likely to be financially stable, (laughs) the most financially stable one. And uh, when she was younger, she wasn't that financially stable. She was kind of crazy. And she's matured out into a fine young lady that's now, uh, you know, pretty conservative. Whereas when she was young, she was very radical. Figure me that out, Batman. How does that work? My other daughter, who was very conservative when she was young, is now very radical. Figure me that one out, Batman. Riddle me that, Batman, as they say. I just don't know. 
But it started me thinking because we had one child that wanted to buy a house and he got all the way through this whole process and got to the end and said he didn't have any money. He neglected to bring up the point. I don't know how he thought he was going to buy a house, but he neglected to bring up the point. He had no money. Now, we were working with him to try to get a nothing down loan. So maybe he thought nothing down meant you don't have to have any money. But even if you get a 100% finance loan, you're still going to need some closing costs. You're still going to need furniture and, and drapes and you know insurance, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You can't just go buy a house. There's costs associated. But when we looked into it further, he had no savings. Uh, you know, and I take the back. He did have some savings. He had a four, small 401k. But in the mind of anybody who works in corporate America, the 401k is untouchable. You can't touch that. That's your retirement account. It's not real money. So he had no real cash. And that shocked me. So I started wondering, you know, how common is that? And, you know, what's the deal? So I looked it up and I found out that, first of all, 43% of all people believe they're going to retire in debt. Retire in debt. That means by age 67, retirement age, they're still going to be in debt. College debt, personal residence debt, automobile debt, credit card debt. And so people not only don't have any money, (laughs) they're actually in the hole. A lot of people. How do you solve that? What do you do? And you think about this for a second. Okay, where does their money go? And I started speaking with this gentleman, young kid, and uh, he said, well, I have this bill and that bill and 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 He basically spends everything he makes plus more. And he's complaining, I can barely make ends meet. I can barely get by. Yeah, it's because you've got all these massive luxuries. Now, granted, most of the luxuries, I think, are for his child. You know, he spoils his child rotten. So does everybody else, I guess, because everybody's broke. Think of that. 43% of Americans believe they're going to retire in debt. So what about the rest of Americans? Well, I started looking into it, and it's interesting to see that the average retirement savings in this country is $65,000. Now, remember, 65 thousand is an average, which means that there's many people who have millions averaged out with a lot of people have nothing. And it was crazy, like, what percentage of people had money. Here's an article here that I looked up. It said, why can't people retire by age 65? And it says, you haven't saved enough. They should have had enough money to retire despite best intentions. Sometimes life gets in your way. You think you might be fully funding your 401k, but find out at the end that that isn't going to get you there. The second one was even better. This you don't have, you haven't saved anything, and this is what statistic I thought was interesting. The only good thing about not having anything saved for retirement is that you're not alone. A geo banker rates retirement savings survey found that one third of Americans, one third, have nothing saved for retirement. And 55% of Americans have less than $10,000. How can that be? How can 55% of Americans have less than $10,000? What do they do with their money? Where does their money go? Then you start wondering about, okay, well, what does it run along what lines? Is it racial? 
Is it sex, female versus male? Is it everybody? Is it nationality? What is it? What is the difference why some people start out at age 12 and get pregnant, blow up to 300 pounds, their kids blow up to 300 pounds, and now they're sick all the time and have massive medical bills and can't hold down a job and live on welfare the rest of their life? Where did that become the American dream? How did that become the American dream? Yet, it's the American dream. I watched this show on TV uh, called The Voice. And if you watch the show, you'll see that a good 60%, 70% of the people that come onto the show are extremely obese. And I was just wondering about that. I go, why is it that all of these people are that obese? And then I started thinking, Maybe because that is what everybody looks like in America. Maybe this isn't just an odd outlier that singers are all obese. Maybe America is obese. And say, well, Dale, why would you get obesity into retirement? Because they're all wrapped up in the same mindset. The mindset is I'm going to do the minimum required in life to get by. And that's where they live, in the minimum world. The rich get richer and the poor get poorer, not because that's the way it's set up, but because of the knowledge. When put into action, knowledge is power. At Lifestyles Unlimited, we empower you to live the lifestyle of your dreams through passive real estate income. For over 30 years, our successful members share their knowledge through case studies, classes, and mentoring. Tap into the knowledge. Attend a free workshop online. Register now at LifestylesUnlimitedWorkshop.com. Today we're bouncing around all over the place and talking about why things happen for people. And it's really sad. And I really wish that there was a way to help people more in finding out what's important about life and how to get through certain problems. I I love success stories of people that have come up from the bottom, worked their way up. I love success stories of people that, you know, got into shape. I'm a little fat kid by heart. I was 200 pounds in fourth grade. I went through the fat loss program thingy, lost all the weight, and kept it off for the rest of my life because I learned how to eat right. So if we could help people learn how to eat right, we could help them that way. But when we're talking about retirement, you know, and I, I merged these two ideas, and I, maybe I'll just unstring them. The idea is discipline. In your life, do you have any discipline? Now, the people that join up at Lifestyles, are a very high percentage of group of people that have massive discipline. They've already done 100 things right in their life. And that's why they've saved enough money to be able to invest. You know, blessed are the meek. But successful are those who have the ability to stick with something, to take self-determination, to set goals and plans. And if there are a way to do that for everybody else in this world that has problems, that would be a wonderful thing. I do it for the people I can help. My basic skill sets help people that help themselves. I don't have the skill set to figure out how to take people that don't want to take responsibility for their own situation and change them. I guess I don't have the voice that they would listen to. In fact, I'm sure they wouldn't like the voice with which I speak because it doesn't parallel their 
view of the world. So I'm going to let that go for a second. Let's go back to this article and talk about why here is 30 reasons why you can't retire at age 65. Now, I don't really want to get into all this, but this is basically 30 excuses. <laughs> 30 excuses. Because one problem we have always when we get into these kinds of articles and things um, is that it's the assumption that retirement is a pile of money. That what happens is if you save up a high enough pile, when you stop earning, you can start living off the pile. And then your goal, sole goal in life becomes die before you run out of money. That's it. You just got to die sooner. And you can retire sooner. You don't have to save as much money if you just die sooner. Maybe there's a corollary there. Maybe that's why unhealthy living and poverty go together. Maybe it's just the natural selection process that says if you're not going to be strong enough to live under the right set of terms in life, then you're probably going to get become unhealthy and get sick and die. Think about all the people that are dying of COVID. As soon as I heard about COVID, I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you the truth. When I heard about COVID, it scared the crap out of me because I, at the time, was 55 pounds overweight. Why was I 55 pounds overweight? Because I decided I was going to go up and be a bodybuilder at 65 years of age, which is the dumbest thing. I don't know. Just I got too much time on my hands and not enough common sense. So I was up to 255, and I go, man, all everything in my blood work that should be low was high. Everything in my blood work that should be high was low. I was a mess. My diabetes was spiking. My blood pressure was spiking. Everything was bad. I said, Dale, you're going to die of COVID. <laughs> you're going to be the guy. You're the guy. They're telling you, everybody, you're the guy that's going to get sick. So I said, okay, that's simple enough. Stop eating. That's it. Just stop eating so much. Get on the exercise bike once a day. It's that simple. Walk. I started walking the dog, and I lost 40 pounds and gained some muscle back from exercising and all in all, just got in better health. Again, why do I tell you all this? I go back and forth because in, me, in my life, it's this back and forth involvement that keeps me centered. I focus on finances. I focus on fitness. I focus on fun. And I focus on family. And I move them around. Because if you get stuck on any one of them, like I did when I was a bodybuilder, when I had all this set up for fitness, bodybuilding, I really wasn't getting ahead anywhere else, not in family-wise, not friends-wise. I did somewhat in finance-wise, but really not the finance until after I stopped bodybuilding. That's when I started focusing on the finance. So you've got to have all these things in your life to have a good, balanced life. But you've got to realize a few things to be able to have the right focus. For example, this other article here that I pulled up said, how much should you have saved for retirement? Well, that in itself assumes the lie. The lie is you can save your way to retirement. You cannot save your way to retirement. Let me tell you what they mean. They say here that you should have one time your annual income by the time you're 30 saved up. So if you make 50000 a year at 30, you should have 50000 bucks. By 35, you should have two times your income. So you should have 100000 By the time you're 40, you should have three times. But by then, you might be earning 75000 a year. So now that's like 250, 225000 by age 45, you're supposed to have four times. By then, you might make, probably make it 100 grand a year. So 100 grand times worth 400,000. 
by age 50, you're supposed to have six times. By age 55, you're supposed to have seven times. And by age 60, you're supposed to have eight times. And by retirement, 67, 10 times. So if you make $100,000 a year minimum, 10 times 100,000 million bucks, you're supposed to have a million dollars. And yet, the 4% rule, which they used to always teach everybody, you can live off 4% of what you have, would only be giving you $40,000 a year, and that $40,000 would be taxable. And they're saying the 4% rule doesn't work anymore because your portfolio doesn't even earn 4% anymore. Bonds earn 1% or less. Stocks are earning very little as far as dividends. They have growth, but they don't have any dividends. So there's no liquidity there to draw from unless you sell the stock. So every time you sell a stock, you lose part of your investment. Whereas when you own real estate, every time you get a rent check, you don't lose part of your investment. The investment doesn't go away. And over time, the rental income goes up. So the big lie is this concept of you can save your way to retirement and that people should have these ungodly amounts of money saved up. When I retired at 34 years of age, I only probably had 40000 50000 bucks in cash. But I had rental properties. Cash in the bank did me no good. I lost it in the IRA. I lost it in stock market crash. I lost it in limited partnerships. I lost it in oil deals. I'd put my money in these things and make no money at all. In fact, lose money. And when I said, rule one, I'm not going to lose any more money. I'm not going to give my money to somebody else. I'm going to use my money myself. All of a sudden, I started making money. Rule two, there had to be cash flow. If I was going to buy something, it had to pay me every month. I'm not paying it. It paid me. And rule two was there had to be cash flow. And then later, after many years, these things started gaining value, and I started cashing in on them and making massive capital gains, which really, that's when I became wealthy. I learned rule number three, you can't get rich slow. You can have a lot of rental income and not be rich. You can have a lot of net worth and not really be rich. You don't have any money. But when you start capping in capital gains, then you can get rich. So these 30 reasons, if you just listen to them about why people can't retire, are all about that getting the money up to a million dollars. One of them is 65 is no longer considered the retirement age. They expect you to work to 67 years of age now. Many people are working to 70. Here's one. You don't want to leave money on the table. As long as you can keep standing, you should keep working because it's more money in your pocket. Next one is you don't know how much you need, but we just discuss what you need. You need 10 times your annual income to support your income, and I'm saying even that won't support your income because you're not earning 4% on your money anymore. You didn't start early enough. You, didn't, you did your traveling before your retirement, so you used up your nest egg. You claimed Social Security too early. All of these things, you cashed in your 401k for emergency or to buy a home. Your spouse passed away. You didn't contribute to your IRA when you should have. You think you're going to spend much less in retirement than what you really do. You're relying exclusively on Social Security. Let's wrap this show up today with some positivity now. We've talked about the problems. We've talked about people and their problems. Now I'm going to wrap this up in you know, some good white wrapping paper and serve it up on a platter here, and that's this. The real problem for people is discipline. They have no discipline to save. They have no discipline to diet. They have no discipline to do the things they need to do that would make the outcome better. Discipline is the ability to put off pleasure into the future so that you can have more when you get there. 
the level of success in life is directly corollary to your ability to put off your pleasure into the future. So we need some concrete steps. We'll start with the first concrete step here. I want you to sit down with your family today, tonight at the dinner table, whenever you can get them together, maybe just call them together for a family meeting, all of them, get them all together, and say, we're going to change our lives. We're going to try this thing, and here's what we're going to do. First of all, we're going to realize that financially, we need passive income. What is passive income? The definition of passive income is earnings from a rental property, a limited partnership, or other business in which a person is not actively involved. And in many cases, this includes portfolio income, which would be like your savings accounts and your stocks and bonds and so forth. So what we're going to do is as a family, we're going to sit down and we're going to figure out how we can start saving some money. We're going to have a family savings account. Everybody's going to see it. We're going to put it on the refrigerator. We're going to put it up where everybody can see it. And we're all going to commit to it. Next, we're going to go through our cupboards and we're going to find 10 foods that we should not be eating. And that amount of money that we normally buy, those sugary eyes, cereals, soft drinks, beer and wine, booze, cigarettes, all the stuff that's unhealthy for you. Make a list of it and figure out what part of it each month you're willing to let go of. So in other words, let's say maybe you do $200 a month worth of bad food, drinks, alcohol, cigarettes, and so forth. Let's cut out $100 of it. Maybe even rotate it. This month we'll you know buy $100 spread out over these things, bad, and next month we'll buy $100 worth of these things, bad. But each month we'll save $100 and put it in that account. Next, let's go searching for passive income streams. The easiest one's a savings account. Go open a savings account to start this little endeavor. When the savings account gets larger, you could look into opening up like a uh, financial account somewhere with a broker or something if you want to play the stock market, but I don't recommend that. But if you want to, there are actually safer ways to invest. But you can start some investing. Key thing here is you're going to start funding by getting rid of the stuff you shouldn't have thing that doesn't make any sense to me at all. Just I want you to argue me this one, Batman. Why is it that poverty creates obesity? The logical orientation should be that if I was poor and I was in a situation where I didn't think I was going to have enough food, that I would buy the leanest, healthiest foods I possibly can and just cut down the volume that we eat. Hence, we should all be in ripped to shreds condition in our family. People tell me, well, it's, in, it's on our family. It's not your family. It's not your genes. I could take any one of you, any one of you, and put you in a concentration camp, and in a month or two, you'd be skinny. It's just, just a matter of not eating. So stop eating, stop smoking, and stop drinking to some extent. Not saying all. Not saying stop everything. I'm saying to some extent, enough to save $100. And then once you start this habit of saving, and by the way, if you want to start another habit, once you start a habit of walking around the block or jogging or maybe you know going to the gym or getting an exercise cycle or any of these home gym type things, don't buy the expensive ones. They're not worth it. Do sit-ups and push-ups. In fact, when I came back from my uh, back injury, I started doing sit-ups and push-ups and uh, leg raises. And there's all kinds of core exercises and calisthenics you can do that cost you nothing. No cost. Do them at home. Start that. Start saving 
start dieting. And the, the diet is not simply starvation diet. It's simply eating good food and less of the junk food so that you don't buy the junk food so you have the money to start the savings account. Because poor people shouldn't be fat and fat people shouldn't be poor. I mean, well, I guess fat people should be poor because they eat all the money. They eat everything. Sorry, I said that backwards. Poor people shouldn't be fat. Better way to say it. You say, well, Dell, that's really judgmental. Yeah, I know it is, but the bottom line is, do you really help people by enabling them to think that they're being weight-shamed or they're being any other kind of shamed, impoverished-shamed? That doesn't help them. You've got to give them a hand up, not a hand out, to help them. Until you learn that people need a handing a help up and not a hand out, then you can't help anybody. You're just enslaving them to your kind of slavery. You want them eating out of your hand, which makes them your pet or your slave. So don't give me that garbage about being on the wrong side of the political argument. No, not at all. I'm on the right side. You guys are on the wrong side, if you believe that. I help people by helping them help themselves. I don't help people by enslaving them to a life of bad ideas and bad decisions. And that all starts with this little thing called control. That's what we have to learn. Self-control. Have a plan. And if anybody out there can do this, I guarantee you, if you can start a savings plan, Then I'll tell you what the next steps are. I'll show you how to get to the next level. But you've got to start a savings plan. And to do that, you have to live without something. Why not live without the bad things that are ruining your life? So that's our plan. That's what I want you to try. Or at least I want you to have a family meeting and talk about it. And when you do, you're going to find out either the people really would like to do something to improve their life or the people in your family just don't care. And if they just don't care, then you probably don't need to be listening to my radio show because it's probably not going to work. Have a great day. And remember, it's not the money. It's the lifestyle. The information and opinions you hear on the Del Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Del Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Del Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Del Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.